Welcome to Cooking the Books, the food and hospitality podcast discussing all aspects of the industry. We interview chefs, butchers, farmers, brewers, winemakers, restaurateurs, restaurant managers, and we talk about how they got to this point through the good times and the bad. We discuss what motivates them every day and what they've got planned for the future. This is Cooking the Books. This week on Cooking the Books, we had Zach Nicholson, the head chef at Rockpool Bar and Grill in Melbourne. He spoke about some of the chefs that he's, he's had the opportunity to work with, uh, sustainability, dry aging. There's some great tips about building a big team, managing staff, understanding your weaknesses, tripling down on what you're good at, as well as a few more serious points, like not being able to sleep before big functions. It's a really honest interview. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. Now, over to the show. Right, first of all, thanks very much, Zach, for doing this. I really appreciate it. No worries. And we'll just jump straight in. We'll get right into it. Obviously, you work either head chef at Rockpool, yep. and you've been there for the last 10, year, 10 years. Yeah, ten, coming up 10 years, a couple of months away. Fuck, it's a long time, really. That's crazy, yeah. It's a long time. And head chef for how long? Four, about four years, maybe five. Four years. And you started off as? Started off as a chef to party on Marta. Came in to run the larder section with my current sous chef Chris. We both started in the same week. Yeah, kind of just taken on from there. I've been a bit lucky in the in the way things fell for me. Yeah, you know? and, and you, what you ended up? Um, what did you end up going around all the sections, or how did it work? Yeah, worked around every section. Spent a fair bit of time on larder, maybe nine months or so on larder. Yeah, moved around to all the sections. Ended up on the grill. Loved it. Fell in love with it. Like it just was that your favourite? Yeah, by far. Still love it to this day. Still treating myself and cooking on the grill. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and then worked under a few different head chefs and was lucky enough to, uh, to call up. Yeah, get your shot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. So you're saying about the grill. What um, what what, what is it that, we, that you use on the grill? We use a lot of different, a lot of different cuts of meat, a lot of different types of beef, a lot of different brands from you know certain abattoirs and certain farmers. Yeah. Probably most famous ones are the Cape Rim beef that we use from Tasmania and the, the Blackmore's Wagyu, David Blackmore's Wagyu. Yeah. We get the we get the Wagyu in whole whole carcasses, so break them all down, nothing's wasted. All the cuts go on the menu over the course of time and they're all sold at yeah, different times. So like you say you get the whole the whole animal in and then you'll break it down as and when you need it. So you might get It'll age as well. The animal will age as you use it. Use it. It'll get a little bit older as you break into it. Is that right? Is that yeah, how it yeah, works? That's right. That's right. So we use try and use up the the premium cuts first. The fillet that gets used straight away. It doesn't need any aging. Um, the sirloins and the ribs they normally get used first as well. So we try and have one premium cut and a few secondary cuts on the menu at the same time. Yeah, yeah. The secondary cuts benefit from a bit more aging, makes them a bit more tender and. Yeah, they let the enzymes and whatnot do the yeah, do yeah, their yeah, thing. And also, David Blackmore does um, Mishima. He does a Wagyu and a Mishima. Is that yep. is it just you guys that get the Mishima? Is that right? Or is there yeah, a few? I'm pretty sure we're the, the Rock Bulls, Grill, Melbourne, and Sydney are the only places, only restaurants in Australia that that get have access to that. That's amazing. Farm. Yeah, it's really good. And unbelievable beef. It is. Yeah, it's the best. What um what is the difference between the the Mishima and the Wagyu? Flavor. In the Mishima, it's more, um, I suppose, more meaty. I suppose more. 
I wouldn't say it's a stronger flavor, but it's just a. It's almost cleaner, but meatier. Yeah, I mean. not the, quite as creamy. Would you say? Yeah, it's not quite as creamy. Not quite as rich, but meatier. More of a grass-fed sort of. Yeah, so would, the mishmash would be more on the grass-fed, and the wagyu would be more on the grain-fed. Is that what yeah, you? Yeah. That in kind of, of. Yeah, in terms of flavor. In terms of flavor, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. we've been getting some. Um, at the moment, we've been getting some really old grass-fed cows as well, like up to nine years old from those guys, and they they're off, off from from. from Blackmores, from oh, the Blackmores. Oh, so what nine-year-old Wagyu? Yeah, Blackmores. Far out. So like, you, they, they would be normally, so like, they're like the 60 months that like in, in the grass bed, you know. Yeah, even more. It, like, yeah. So it's like, they're the, so the 60-month ones we yeah. get from Cape Grimm. Cape yeah, Grimm. they're, um, they, they call them the mothers of Cape Grimm. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but they're just the older, the older cows that they didn't think were going to. So it gets all quite confusing. Yeah, it's a bit confusing for me as well, but. You, it's it's all measured by the teeth apparently. Yeah, okay. I haven't researched in a while either. Yeah, okay. So you use a black boy, you use a wagyu, you use a mishma, and then you yeah. use a an aged wagyu as well. Is that right? Um, or an aged mishma? Either sometimes like it oh, can be either. either. Yeah. So that we just had this uh, last month or the month before, um, we had a nine year old grass fed mishma on the menu. What was that was, like? It was unlike unlike anything I've ever eaten before. Like yeah. it, was, it was, it's much more textural than yeah, yeah. You know, textural is a is a swanky word, chewy. That's what, it's instead bit, of saying tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It's not tough. It is. It, it is a better way of saying it because it, it yeah. just takes an extra half a dozen chews. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I like that. I've, yeah, me too. I've got no dramas with that yeah, either. But not everyone does, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's just a next level of flavor as well. It's another. It's a, just a whole other depth of flavour that you get, and the yeah. fat, the, the really bright yellow fat. And Fuck! Imagine cooking your chips in that, you know, like, you yeah. know, like <laughs> dripping. It'd be fucking unbelievable. So then, so that's the wagyu. Then you use the Cape Grim, which yeah. is from Tasmania, right? Yeah. Which is actually a abattoir. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So they manage. They look after, or they get their beef from heaps of different farms in Tasmania. Only on Tasmania, though. Yeah. 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 All in Tasmania. And then they grade them, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they grade them at the abattoir, send us, send us our specs. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of it, a lot of their stuff goes overseas as well. They're a really big company now, Cape Grim. Yeah. But they market themselves on, is it the cleanest air? Is that, is, is yeah, that, yeah. Cleanest air in the world. That is unbelievable. Up in the corner of Tasmania. Just scientifically su- proven. Is it scientifically proven? Yeah. yeah Just sucking that clean test. air in. Yeah, that's right. It's fucking awesome. And again, they do a 36 month, which is three yep. years. Yeah. And then they do a 60 month. Is that, do you still do that? Yeah. I think we're the only people who use that as well, the 60 month. We call it vintage. Yeah, and that's. Again, that's, more again, textual, but again, deeper yeah, flavour. Yeah, deeper, same. darker, richer. Uh, redder meat, like a darker redder meat. Yeah, a little bit more textural. But the but the advantage flavor. the advantage for you guys, I guess, is which we'll get onto the dry aging and hanging and the rest of it is um, even if it is a bit more textural. If a Joe Bloggs restaurant, no disrespect to any restaurant who have to use it, who don't have that facility, have to use it so so far, it might be even more textural yeah. than it will be because you guys get the opportunity to hang it for longer and let them en- enzymes and that go to work and yeah, dry it out and whatnot. So you even you get the best out of it even 
on that really you know what I mean yeah I think that's why not many people get it you know, yeah you exactly to, you have to do that really to be able to serve that yeah that beef it needs a bit of time hanging yeah for sure for sure and then I seen recently on the menu you, is it Richard Gunner is that yeah, right yeah Richard Gunner yeah and it's a dry aged English shorthorn yeah so Richard Gunner's a farmer or a, a beef producer I think he was a farmer not so much on the farm anymore yeah 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 and he it's hard driving them Range Rovers on them farms <laughs> <It's> just, uh, <laughs> they just don't don't have the sims yeah so he has great relationships with lots of farmers in oh South so Australia. he right okay yeah go yeah, on so he yeah he sources it and then these are all farmers who are specifically short horn is it focusing on the yeah, certain old English breeds that have sort of died they're the ones with a big shabby art, like the hair because they must sort of, if they had hands they'd just be brushing the hair out yeah, their eyes yeah, and that, is that man their heads yeah they must be like, what On the fringes. fucking thing? Get this out of my eyes. Give me a haircut. That's what the most. Yeah, he, he's a um, yeah, he's been really great. His his meat's really different to what we've got on the menu as well. It's grass fed. Yeah, all all pure grass fed. It's a lot leaner than the than the Cape Grim and the Wagyu. Like it's more a traditional, like an old style beef you would get would get in the butcher shop. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's because the farmers dedicate their farm directly to those breeds and do all the you get the flavor in there yeah all the conditions that they use are specifically you know yeah yeah breeds and is it the whole of australia or victoria or new south wales or is it south australia south australia yeah that's where most of them come from yeah Yeah, okay and that's all the beef you're using at the different things you use at the moment and you but you used to use rangers valley right yeah a grain fed yeah yeah and which I thought was fantastic. It's one of the, yeah, really nice, one yeah. of the best flavors of beef. I've, I've, I love that creaminess, personally. Anyway, yeah. like that New York style, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you, you stopped using it. Yeah. What was the reasons for that? Neil asked us to stop using it because he didn't like the. It was the ethics, the ethics of it. The cows spend a lot of time in a tiny enclosure, you know, just on on dirt, being fed grain, not much space. Right. Okay. So that was. That was the reason Neil decided just to stop using grain-fed beef on all these ethical. All these so it was just an ethical reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. good. Yeah, good. And you, when you like, some people can do that. You know, they've got the power to do that. And if you have and you don't agree with it, maybe it's a, it's the right thing to do. Like you stop using the blue Definitely. the bluefin as well. You don't use yep. the bluefin anymore. Yeah, we haven't used that for a long time. That's great as well. Yeah, you know, for sure. you've got to be when you're at that level. You've got to be seen to making the right decisions. You know, yeah, you've, got exactly. the, you've got the opportunity with the eyes on you. So you might as, yeah, yeah, be a leader exactly. So what um what's your favourite cut and breed? If you're gonna sit down for at Rockpool and um and have dinner, what would you generally what would be your steak of choice? Uh there's a couple uh, it probably changes every fucking week. But always the thirty six month the Cape Green thirty six month ribeye, that's always up there. Like that's always in the top five, I'll say yeah. top five. Yeah, yeah. And then depending on what cuts of wagyu we've got on, I really like the wagyu the Wagyu rubs and the Wagyu rub caps. Yeah, rum cap, that's mine. Rub caps, unbelievable. It's the best by far. Yeah. It is unbelievable. Yeah it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And we've been using the, we've been cutting the oyster blades a little bit differently at the moment as well. Like really, really thin, cutting all that sinew out, giving them a quick cook. And that's one of the best cuts to come out of that. Is it? Too. Yeah, it's as good as the rum cap. When you say thin, like how thin? Uh, probably like a as thin as a skirt steak. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I love the skirt as well. Don't yeah, get me skirt wrong. Too. So, so there's, not, there's not really any that I hate, you know. Yeah, yeah. But if you're gonna choose, come on. Um, Cape Grim ribeye, thirty-six month ribeye. Well, you're selling enough of them. That's a fucking that Yeah, for sure. it's one of the top sellers. 
we, we, we briefly said about the dry aging. Um, first of all, what is dry aging? What is it? Uh, so we have temp- temperature controlled rooms down in the in the car park in Crown, no, down in the basement. Um, yeah, three big cool rooms down there that have a lot a lot of high airflow, a lot of fans, a lot of air circulating down there, and all our beef is placed in there to age and to set and to dehydrate as well, isn't dehydrate, it? Dehydrate, yeah. It takes a lot of the moisture out of the beef, uh, breaks down a lot of the enzymes, makes it more tender. Adds, adds more flavor. Yeah, so I guess it, like like with anything, like a sauce or whatever. If you reduce the the sauce, as it reduces, it gets more intensive flavor because yeah. the, the the general water evaporation evaporates. Yeah, the water. And you and you get and you just get that real solid flavor, don't you? It's yeah, a, yeah. It's it makes a, it, I'd never really eaten dry aged beef before I started working at Rockwool. Like I never really, I didn't know much about it. Yeah, I'd only ever you know, had meat from butcher shop or the market. Yes, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then when I first tried a piece of beef that had been aged, I think it was aged like 30 or 40 days, on cooked on the grill, on the wood fire grill, like it's hard to go back up. It's that. something else, isn't it? It is. It, it yeah. Not being biased or whatever because you're here, but it is. It really is something else. It's yeah, something, exactly. something special to taste. What, um, well, there's also wet aging. Do you know yeah. where, they, where they age it in the bag? Yeah. Which I think is a bit of a, I don't know. Wet aging. Yeah, well, you know, fuck, fuck that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so with that, obviously you, you put it in the fridge for 30 days, 60 days. There's, you know, there's a few things on the back of that. How do you keep stocks and order levels right? Because if it's got to be in there 30 to 40 to 50 to 60 days, especially with big events coming up, you know, Christmas, these kind of things, how do you make sure that you have enough enough stock because it's got to age so you've got to be ordering effectively 30 days before you actually need to use it to let the dry aging process happen yeah how do you keep on top of that with space and obviously not overriding because you can't let it get to like 170 days because this thing you know you'll be left with for call yeah, basically too much yeah yeah well Glenn our butcher takes care of all the ordering he's got it down to a finer he's been there just about as long as me so we've been working pretty closely for a long time now pretty good mates he's he's got that he's got a really good relationship with all the suppliers as well he does all the ordering every week and yeah keeps the par levels on track and as you come into busier seasons you just order more and yeah then... like a, a month before two months before because with the beef it's not especially with the vintage it's not always available sometimes we there'll be weeks where we don't get any and there'll be some weeks where we get you know 40 ribs and so will they give you the heads up? Will they say, "Oh, look, we'll start to run a bit short. You might want to, you might want to stockpile." Nah. So, yeah, and then we just have to manage it around that. But the flexibility on the menu, we can do whatever we want. You know, it's, it's there's still so many other options, and yeah. there's so much space down there. It gets pretty tight, like in the months leading up to Christmas and and New Year's. But it all it all evens out. No, I was getting sorry. And then what kind of waste are you looking at? You know, if you buy one of them ribs in. Uh, 20 kilo. How much? Do you, do you know how much one weighs off the top of your head? One of them, one of them rib sets. Yeah, they're about oh, 12, 15 kilos. 15 yeah. kilos. So let's just say 15. By the time you break it all down, because as it dry ages, yeah. it, it gets a crust on the on the two ends. The cap gets basically ruined. It's, it dry. It shrivels up so much. If no one's yeah. ever seen it. It almost looks inedible, to be totally mm. honest with you. You're like, what? You're like, you can't eat that. It's disgusting. Too, too you cut it open, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously you take that cap off, you trim it down, you take the ends off, and the rest of it. How much do you think gets wasted and dehydration? So if you get a 15 kilo rib, how much do you think you're left with at the end of that? Um, 
maybe 10 or 15% in moisture loss. In moisture, just on yeah. moisture, 10 or 15% just on moisture, that's yeah, quite, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's, that's like sort of guess, you know. But it's, a kilo and a half, that's a fair bit, yeah. That's probably, that sounds like too much. Let's 10? say 7%. All right, okay, <laughs> that's fine. And then, yeah, you trim off probably half. So you lose half? Yeah. So really, they're more than double the price what you pay for them. Yeah. Regarding that on the on the GP and, and, and making your money back, you have to really, you have to charge twice the price as everyone else, right? Yeah, that's right. But if because we're buying in whole, we don't pay, you know, we don't pay as much as other people would pay. To break them down, because you break them down yourself. Yeah, exactly. People, If people were buying them in, broken down, then they'd be paying twice the price anyway, you know? Yeah. So we get them a little bit cheaper. I'm not saying they're cheap. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but... You know, because we do all the work ourselves in house, it yeah. that makes the, the margins all right. But right, we saw. Yeah, exactly. We have right, to. Yeah, right, saw. Yeah, yeah. And then I just I asked briefly, but I don't think I don't think you answered the wood, the actual wood. What wood is it, and what what's the story? Ironbark, ironbark wood. We got it from Mike and Krista, a company called Blackheath Firewood. I think Neil was one of the first people to use Blackheath Firewood back in the day for Bar and Grill at ten years ago or twelve years ago when they first opened. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Ironbark from the Blue Mountains. Comes down from the Blue Mountains every week, yeah. right? Yeah. So they've got a they've got a big warehouse in Melbourne now. They've got heaps and heaps of restaurants that they've had down here. Now. That's so, great. Yeah, they've got a big warehouse in Melbourne. Um, yeah, a couple of staff who are down here full time, so they don't have to do. They used to drive like they used to drive down three times a week. You know, just to from the Blue Mountains. Yeah. They're awesome. They're fucking crazy. They're so cool. He's uh, absolutely. He's a, he's a he's a knock. He's a knockout. He's I beat him in an uh, arm wrestle the other Did week. Did you fuck? Yeah. No, you never. I'm pretty sure he let me win. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to claim it. It's I'll take long it. forearms. Oh, is that the goal? Yeah, good leverage. Good. <laughs> um, and the reason you use that, it's heavy. You know, it's dense, isn't it? it burns forever. It's yeah. not like that. Because I get some stuff at the at the garage. At the servo. It's absolutely <laughs> shite. It's yeah. so shite. It's wet. It'll yeah, it takes it, forever. It never, ever catches fire. No, and then when it does, it just disappears. Exactly. It's like, yeah. but at Rockpool, it's super dense. It's dry as sticks. Yeah, the trees have been the trees have been dead for hundreds of years or a hundred years or something. Mike told me. Yeah. They were felled by settlers. Yeah, and the, the the ring them it's called. I yeah, think it's called. Yeah, and I didn't know this. If you take a percentage of the bark off, all the way around the tree, so far as we so deep and so high, and then that's it. The tree dies. That's it. it does it's like slitting its fucking wrists yeah. to a tree? Oh, that's brutal. Isn't and that? just and then, but then it keeps standing. Yeah. And then you can chop it down in a hundred years' time and use the wood. It dries over years and yeah. the hot Aussie sun and that, just baking that thing and dehydrate. Like the weight is unbelievable, isn't it? In one of them like chunks, yeah, they, it really so is. Heavy, yeah, really. Yeah, they're really dense, like you said. So Good that's flavor too. Great flavor. So that's the meat. Also, it's pre- pre- predominantly known as a steakhouse, isn't it, Rockpool? Yeah. Like a refined steakhouse. But you also do a lot of really good fish. Yeah, yeah, heaps of good fish, and there's a few Probably things. Close to fifty percent of our of our sales of fish, right? Them prawns, them split prawns help that fucking that figure. Yeah, sell a few of them. That's yeah, a that's a lot of prawns. Yeah. And then, so marine, what is it called? Marine Stewardship marine. Council, is it? Yeah, we we'll just say MSC. MSC is that what it is? Marine yeah. Stewardship Council. So what? A lot, a lot of the the fish on the menu is sanctioned by them. Is that what you say? Or yeah, is... yeah. There's a couple of things that are. Um, yeah, the prawns, our mullet, the tuna, and that. And what what is that? What does it mean? So that's a 
the Marine Stewardship Council it's a company that that goes around and assesses fisheries for sustainability basically that their methods for fishing are sustainable and they're forever right is that right forever does it have to be like yeah they say forever yeah, yeah. I think they, they do assessments and the companies pay a lot of fucking money for these people to come out and assess them yeah okay yeah they do their assessments and it's the best sanctioning body in sustainable fish in Australia is it is that you know they're the yes. main people yeah so if you've got if you've got two stars or whatever it is by these guys you are you know yeah. it is a definitely you know you're buying proper sustainable seafood well there's no rating system you've either got their approval or you haven't right okay yeah, it's like it's, it's pretty hard to get it our restaurant got it um, a while back we had it for a year it cost us a lot of money for them to come through they assessed everything we did and we'll organise that we'll come on the old head chef and he put a lot of work into getting them to come and do that and yeah they they gave us our, the rest the entire restaurant stamp of approval did that yeah, that's they, unbelievable yeah so and I don't think there were any other restaurants in, in Australia who had that it cost a lot of money yeah but Rockpool and Neil and, and even yourself all take that really seriously right yeah absolutely it's, a, it's one of the biggest parts of one of, it's the biggest thing I've learned from Neil and from the whole Rockwell group and all, all the chefs I've worked with there, that how important that is. The sustainable, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. Exactly. It really is. Like, there's no two ways about it. I want my kids to be able to eat some fish too. Yeah, yeah. And then the other fish you use is Corner Inlet? Bruce Collis. Collis. Big balls, Bruce Collis. Yeah, okay. And, what, and what the, what's the significance about about his fish? So he's a, he's a fisherman down in Corner Inlet. Wilson's, near Wilson's from down there. Yeah. I think he's like fifth generation or something. Maybe I made that up. <laughs> but he's a he's a fisherman who's been fishing down there a long time, and he he uses all sustainable methods as well. Um, has hardly any bycatch, you know. Just catches what he needs, catches what he can, catches what we need. Fishes for the entire group. Um, calls me up every day, and then he'll so he'll go out fishing in the morning. Him and he's got a team. Yeah. team of fishermen who work for him and he'll call me tell me what he's got ask me what I need send it down on a truck that night we'll run out at midnight or 11 o'clock at night and grab the boxes of fish bring them back to the restaurant Yoshi-san will prep them first thing in the morning and they'll be on the menu the next day yeah far out so that that's the, the benefit of dealing with it's as good as it gets right to the fish yeah. Yeah. yeah it is literally as good as it gets all, all other all other seafood you'll get has, has got a couple of days on it no matter what yeah. yeah of course and they need to get rid of their old stuff as well you know yeah. like you know it's they've but got they a business have, to run but they have to have the fish there like because if someone calls up and yeah yeah fish, like it's got to be there. yeah you can't ring up and order like two sides of salmon and two sides of salmon just don't turn up you're like what the fuck yeah exactly they have to have it there ready for ready Definitely. for the orders and that's the thing like if bruce doesn't catch anything for bad weather well then you yeah, don't get anything any fish yeah 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 and i get it from ocean man ocean man are great too you know but there's there's something like it's not the most convenient thing to do to yeah. deal directly with the especially the, the mise en place of it all is is quite difficult you, you know breaking yeah. it all down they're doing zero they catch the fish and bring it to you yeah, you've got to scale it, it yeah, yeah you've got to scale it gut it fill it the whole yeah. thing then they don't it's not a service they offer is it no they don't need to like, yeah well yeah why the fuck would they do that with fishermen yeah exactly no, that's, that's their approach um, you also use Hiramasa king, yeah. uh, Hiramasa Kingfish yeah so what, what what's Hiramasa Kingfish so Hiramasa is a brand Hiramasa is a company that farm Kingfish in Port Lincoln out of Port Lincoln so they 
they get little baby kingfish and farm in, in sea pens, grow them up to size. I think they feed them, I'm not sure if they fed sardines or pellets, but yeah, they, they grow them up to size. Really, really consistent product. Good fat content. Good fat content. Really, a little bit of texture too, to the fish yeah, when it's raw. Yeah. Yeah, good flavour. Nice mellow flavour. Very friendly fish to have raw for... Yeah, for the for the crude oil and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's be- yeah, beautiful. I never really ate raw fish till I come to Australia. Yeah. Like, apart from in restaurants, it's not really, you know, fish pie, things like that. It's not really like a... For living on an island, we don't really eat that much. It's pretty fucking yeah. crazy, really. And then obviously over here... There's, every, there's raw everywhere. You can't move for the raw. When I come to Rockpool, and I was working at Rockpool, the um, yeah, the amount of raw that's there, I, c- I couldn't believe it. It's fucking beautiful. Is the seafood over there? Fresh seafood? Anything else? It's got a pretty good restaurant, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's getting like I think it's getting more and more popular. But I think to be honest, I think it was popular back in the day. My grandparents and things, and then it had a bit of a lull. I yeah. think my, my my parents and whatnot, and probably when I was younger. And then I think it's maybe starting to pick up a little bit more now with Nathan Outlaw and Rick Stein and these kind the of style people. style of foods changed, don't they? Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It would have been probably a lot more processed and packaged food at that time. Yeah, people didn't need to go fishing. Yeah? No, exactly. As the technology come out, yeah. as like frozen food and, you know, and Iceland and these kind of places, they were like pretty cool back in the day where now like no one really eats frozen stuff, really, as yeah. m- not as much. Yeah, everyone's Maybe, going back to, back to fresh, aren't they? Yeah, going back to fresh. But obviously a new technology, everyone jumps on it, big marketing, put, giving yeah. that push and whatnot. And everyone's like, oh yeah, let's, you know, you can just bang it in the freezer and get it out, fish fingers, fucking great, perfect. No, that was probably like my generation to be totally yeah. honest with you. But yeah, now... Now people are getting a bit more used to, oh, hang on, this isn't really the right way of going about it. What is that? People are asking, what yeah. is it? That question's getting asked so much more. Yeah, but nobody nobody knew every different, any different. You know? Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They told that it's better, so it's better. Yeah, you just, t- yeah, they yeah. wouldn't lie to you. The yeah, people, exactly. Why would they lie to you? It's so nice. Yeah. Um, so that's the products and the, and the produce that you're using. We'll just go to chefs. Mm-hmm. How many how many chefs have you, have you got on the team at Rockport? I think it's around 25. Yeah, about 25. Big team. Four or five apprentices. Yeah, Four or five. Five, um, six, six kitchen hands. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's a big team. Yeah, and how many of them will be on a service? How many, um, how many chefs does it take to do the service? It takes 15. Including pastry, yeah. Yeah, 15 or 16, yeah. 15 or 16 Plus three chefs. kitchen hands to it. Might service. And that's to do about how many covers? On average, we'll probably do 300 covers. Yeah, okay. And, and that's a, on a night service. Friday, Saturday nights, 350, 380. Yeah, every, every Friday, Saturday. So you yeah. need the hands, right? You need the hands. Yeah, everyone's fucking working, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and how? So how is that broken down? You know, eight. How many chefs on a service? How? How? how so we got it? four guys on larder, one person running larder, four guys on larder. One of those guys will be in and out, back and forth from the fish room, chucking oysters, slicing hand plates. One person on crudo, doing raw fish all the raw fish dishes one person making salads one yeah. person running the section yeah and then I'll be calling the kitchen which is what what's calling calling the kitchen is I'll, I'll get all the dockets all the dockets will come to me with every single thing on them there's a printer in larder and a printer in the back kitchen and a printer on the grill they just get their specific dishes printed to them they make them and I have to coordinate and make sure everything comes up at the same time. You're like the orchestra. No, the, the, the conductor. Yeah, conductor. They're the orchestra, so, you're the conductor. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. So I have to make sure everything's coming up at the right time, at the same time, everything's going, everything's on the pass. 
you know, everything's ready to go. So that's one. And then keep going, sorry. So then the larder, you've got four on the larder, you've got... Yeah, there's a guy next to me on fish who does all the fish dishes. There's a guy on the other side of me on cut, call it cut, who's cutting all the steaks, putting them on the plates. Um, there's two two or three guys on the grill, normally two. We haven't had a third guy on there for a long time now. Um, one person cooks the steaks from blue to medium rare and sort of runs the grill, manages the dockets over their side. And then one person's on medium to well, well done. done. And they get all the steaks out and make sure everything's all good over there. And then four guys out in the back, guys or girls. One person running the kitchen out the back. So, so doing what you do, but out the back? Yep, just for, the, yep, for those four dishes, four sections. Um, so all their hot entrees and hot mains come from the back kitchen and all the sides and hot sides and stuff from the fryer. Pasta as well? Yeah, all the pasta, yep. Hold on. Fresh pasta, you, you make fresh pasta every day? Yep, yep, pasta made every day. Four or five different types on the menu at the moment. It's quite a few, it's nice. And then you've obviously got the pastry. Yep, two or three people in pastry every night as well. And then three potwash guys too. So it's a huge, it's a huge team, huge organisation, right? Yeah, massive, massive team. And if anyone did want to get a job, what what is the best way to to get a job or an apprenticeship at Rockpool? I think just drop in, come in and say hello, bring a resume, come and introduce yourself to, to me or one of the sous chefs who'll be there. Say, say you're interested. You're always keen on taking new staff, interested staff? People who are, yeah, people who are keen. That's who, they're my, they're my favourite. And people what? Who, people who know a little bit about, about Rockpool, people who want to specifically it, work at Rockpool. Yeah, that, that in, alone is such a big thing, right? Yeah, like, hired instantly. Yeah. yeah, like you go to a restaurant and they say, oh, so why do you want to work here? It's like, well, it's a job like you know it's just a job but when someone says oh I really love dry age me I really love cooking over fire or I really love yeah. fish or I really like Neil Perry even yeah. you know any any of those answers and you, straight away you're know it's such a little thing to do a bit of research on the restaurant you might even only want a job to yeah, be totally exactly. honest with you yeah but if you come saying, saying just a right bit prepared things. just be a little bit prepared yeah of, of the environment and whatever else and, and, and you're, you're even enough there it's give it a smile yeah, exactly. Work your ass off and, and and have a little bit of knowledge of the of the of the restaurant or whatever you're trying to or the hotel or whatever or even the chef or whatever yeah. and you need enough there, right? Yeah. Got to be friendly too. I don't, yeah. don't like employing cockheads. Yeah, yeah. It makes my life a little it's bit simple harder. to get a job, right? Fuck, it's so very, simple. Very very easy to get a job. Always always looking for staff as well. You know, we do got a lot of six month visas. A lot of people, you know, turning over. Yeah. Attitude, right? It's pretty solid, actually. But. Yeah, we've got a lot of people come through, but the the staff retention's really high. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how that works, but I'm sure it does. <laughs> but yeah, attitude, right? Attitude. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's the most important thing for me. If you're not a cockhead, you're almost basically hired. And if you get told, I always find as well, like I always like people, and I, I like to think I was that person who could take a bollock in. And then isn't going to be in the mood for like the rest of the day. Yeah. I don't want to. I would want to give someone, a, you know, explain to someone that they're not doing something right, and then that's it. They've spat the dummy yeah, for the and, and then be worried about you know them gonna, not performing. Yeah, the exactly. Day. It's just yeah. like it's finished. You know, like yeah. if you take get a bullock in, take it, move on, forget about it, and everyone's back mates again within within two minutes, right? Yeah, it's nothing personal. Definitely nothing personal. Um, it's funny you should say that. I was going to say about the. Travelers, you, you you do take on travelers. Yep. And yeah. sponsorship, do you still do sponsorship and things? Yeah, we still do sponsorship. We've got quite a few 
sponsored people on the 457 visas at the moment. Really, really good. They're awesome. I love the six monthers. We get quite a few guys come from from the UK, Netherlands, and a lot of people from Korea as well. We get it's nice to have guys. We get quite a few guys with Michelin star experience, like come through from from Europe, and it's really nice to have those guys in the kitchen for six months. You know, yeah, it makes it. it everyone else lifts their game. Yeah, yeah. When those people are around and. I, they I, get to see a lot. Sorry. They get to move from section to section. They still get to push them through quite quickly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, give them, and, a, it's, and it's an easy job, you know, compared to what they were fucking doing over there. Yeah, 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 it's for a sure. Nice job is, you know, you're not doing you're doing fifty hours a week. You get to see the city, enjoy life. Yeah, a, bit. a couple of nights off a week, you know, and yeah. still work. I was talking to Tim. Uh, I interviewed Tim Chapelas, who you used to you, you know yeah. used to work with as well, and he was saying that one of the reasons that he stayed at Rockpool for so long was not just because he was learning at Rockpool because there was also there was a lot of chefs coming through the door six monthers as you call them yeah. on the on the working holiday visa and so many come through with Michelin star experience who he'd get the opportunity to work alongside yeah. he felt like he almost didn't need to leave because he, he was learning so much off these guys that were coming through as well as the restaurant don't get me wrong he was still learning from the restaurant but he was getting that opportunity to meet so many new people which in a four man team in a small restaurant, you maybe wouldn't get that opportunity. Because yeah. I asked him, why did you do your whole apprenticeship at Rockpool, you know, to do, because I was quite surprised that people actually do that, don't yeah. move around, and that was the answer he gave, and I thought that was... Good answer. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah. yeah I didn't really think of that, to be totally yeah, honest. That's awesome. Yeah. So it benefits you employing these six monthers, not just for the bit, the, the, the longevity, you know, you're not going to get longevity out of them, but them being there might give you longevity of your solid Aussie staff or whatever, yeah. yeah, yeah, the long termers or whatever. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they just bring another element, you know, which is which is really nice. New skills. I'm like you're very really open-minded. I learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, yeah. As well, you're open-minded, ready to. If you learn a new technique, you're not scared to. Absolutely, know. I know. I'm I'm really you know the best chef standing in the kitchen. You know what I mean? I'm I'm good at running the kitchen. I'm a good leader, and you yeah, know, I think I'm a really good worker. I wouldn't say I'm an amazing chef. You know, I've been pretty lucky. At, so if that's so, so what? To be in that position, you must have an ass. You know, you must have assets. So what do you think that is? And I'll tell you what I think it is afterwards. I don't know. I think I'm good with staff management. I think I'm really good with the staff. I think that all my chefs like me. Yeah. So I think I don't know. I'm not very good. I guess I think personally, I I think it was. It's not big ever, It's just the reality. I think you know. Being humble is one. Do you know what I mean? Not trying to I mean, think no, that you, I just, it exactly proved it. Exactly. I think that's the thing. But being prepared to l- learn off other people, understanding that. I think analyzing yourself and realizing where you stand and realizing this is what my strengths are. Yeah. And being prepared to give, not having an ego to try and get in the way. Egos are. It can no, be a no, real knowing, pit. Knowing your weaknesses. Yeah. Fucking so important. Knowing your weaknesses like, for you, sure. If you think you're an expert and everything. Then you're wrong. Knowing your weaknesses is and so accept you, them and work on them. Like it's not a, it's you, not a, it's not a flaw. Exactly. There's Gary V. You know, there's so many ways to look at things, but he always says triple down on what you what you're good at. Don't yeah. worry about your weaknesses. Get someone else to do your weaknesses. Do what you do and yeah. do what you do to the best as you can. That you can, you know, triple down on that. Yeah. And I think that's, or other people say, you've got your, you've got your positive, you know, your, your strengths, you should work on your weaknesses. And I used to probably think that, but now I think, well, 
Why? You know, I like the first one. Yeah, I think I think triple down on your strengths is is the goal. That's yeah. the goal. Find people who who, are, who do your weakness to do your weaknesses is the other yeah. way. Um, you, you surround yourself with really strong staff as well, like people who people who are better than you. Don't be afraid to employ people who are better than you because you're, you're jealous or you're threatened. You feel threatened. Yeah, exactly. There's no point. No need to feel threatened. You know? That's the goal. I think that that's the key. Yeah. And obviously, in, you've been there for so long and managing such a big team would, would, would as a leader of a big team is that it would you say that would be your biggest tip yeah definitely don't be afraid to not know something and if you yeah don't be afraid to if someone's better than you at something you know let them get on with it that's their job support yeah, them now on yeah, yeah. that. that looks way better than mine yeah. you're doing that from now on yeah exactly yeah. that's that's the goal so as a head as the head chef what what is your role Probably just staff, staff management and, and daily and general, you know, running of the kitchen, I suppose, making sure we've always got... Everything that needs to be there. Yeah, make sure we've always got everything. I might not, I don't necessarily do the ordering, but I make sure people do it, make sure it's done, make sure it's done right. Yeah. Um, dealing with suppliers, you know, I do building a lot of relationships with suppliers. That's yeah, 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 for sure. A lot of, there's a lot of staff management that comes into it as well, a lot of... Because you think, you know, for anyone that's young out there that, that is listening, might think, you know, I, I want to be a chef and, I, you know, you need uh, TAFE or whatever, you know, and you do all that and you build up all these techniques and skills and cooking and all the rest of it. And then if you get into a big position like yourself, you're actually not on the tools per se as yeah. much as, as you might think, yeah. especially in, in that kind of environment. In a smaller team, a little bit different, but if you're after, you know, if you get a big job, there's a percentage which is actually a lot of computer paperwork yeah, management reports on staff you know disciplinaries yeah. you know all these kind of aspects yeah it's a bit so that that takes up a lot of your time right yeah it does yeah, it takes up quite a bit of my time i still get to i still run the services yeah. which is you know which, which i still love but during prep time i don't don't do any prep i'm always doing Unless a good job comes in, unless there's something nice to do. Artichoke, first week of the artichokes. Yeah, exactly. First week of the asparagus. Yeah, the everything actually. You know, I always like to do something once and then. Yeah. But that's right, though, isn't it? You like, yeah, you look forward to the artichokes arriving. You yeah. look forward to the broad beans arriving, and then everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we, you know, if we get some a different type of fish in, we've had garfish in the last few weeks. Yoshi's stealing, but it's a lot of work in the garfish. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to prep. One of the hardest fish to prep, but it's. One of the nicest dishes to eat. So. Yeah. How do you cook it? We just cook it straight under the salamander. Yeah, a bit of oil. Yeah. That's a go. Season it up. Salt and yeah. Then, yeah, straight under the salamander. It's the only way, really. Like one minute, one yeah, minute. yeah. It's the only way. Yeah, you can't really do it any other way. I learned that way of just cooking them simple things. I learned, like, you just bang it under the grill, you know, under the salamander. But it was from a, a chef I worked with uh, who worked for Rick Stein. Yeah. And he said they cooked heaps of the fish like that. Heaps yeah. of the fish. Yeah, it's a just, nice, gentle way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. So what what's the what is the biggest challenge in the, within the within working as the head chef at Rockpool? It, it changes it changes all the time. Like different the different challenges come you know every month. Some some weeks it could be struggling with food costs, and that's all I think about. You know, yeah. some some weeks there'll be so many functions coming up offside that that's all I think about. And, just, it's something different every yeah yeah I didn't think of it like that to be fair so yeah it's always, there's always what's happening at that moment so it's a new challenge yeah, yeah. So it's not one big challenge it's a, there's a, always lots of different challenges yeah. like, if your staff's all sweet you're not worrying about it yeah 
but if you lose three of your key guys then all of a yeah, sudden the that's that's my challenge that's all I think about like, yeah yeah and there's always something right yeah exactly <laughs> take, yeah. yeah there's always something behind that other thing that's ready to ready to go you know something else shit that pops up yeah yeah of course I can imagine yeah it's just a couple yeah, it's never ending. Always, always work. Always it's thinking a, about work. It's a big step from. I was a sous chef there, as you know, everyone knows, and we worked alongside each other for a lot of years. But the step of stress from the sous chef or the senior sous chef or whatever you want to call it to the head chef stress level is is ginormous. I yeah. I think you know, I wasn't I, expecting it to me. I thought, yeah, I, I thought I was totally ready. Like, you know. I thought this is not going to be a problem. This is easy. I've been sous chef for ages. Yeah, because yeah, you were the sous chef and got promoted to the head chef. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought this is, yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready, but fuck, it was way fucking harder than I thought it was going to be. Big jump, right? Yeah, yeah. And you, you're never, ever ready for it. You never you never know what to expect either. Like, well, well it, don't take this the wrong way, everyone. It's like having a baby, right? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm 35. I've got a good job. Yeah. I must be ready and then you're like fuck I'm not ready for that yeah it's the same you don't know what to expect until you're in it you know? yeah yeah until, you, until you're living it yeah yeah and for sure every day someone's asking you to fucking do something you don't know how to do yeah but that's I guess a key that you have a good strong sous chef who can you yeah. know you take the brunt of the of the stress especially in a big organisation like you where you've got big senior guys above you CEOs you know it's not just the owner it's like big you know it's a big corporation effectively who are giving you big you know emails and you know what's happening and you've got to take all that stress you can't really be worrying really about is the fucking sweet corn the right you know is is it fresh enough or is the you know what I mean yeah and that's yeah that's why you need to surround yourself with strong sous chef and strong senior chefs like they need to spend a lot more, they're, they're in the kitchen every day you know? they spend a lot more time in the kitchen than you do you've got to trust them to, to, to pick up on these things it. yeah yeah, yeah. ironing out little little not little problems because they're all they're all big things but yeah. they need to be tidying all the mess up right making sure that's all yeah. running nicely so you can stress yeah. about the bigger yeah. thing they, and they, they, so you can try and sleep at night yeah otherwise you know, you're laying awake sometimes lay awake sometimes yeah I have yeah when, I, when there's you know especially when there's really big events coming out like before that before that top 50 event we did for months before it like I just I couldn't think about anything else so like it's all I thought about even though I knew it would be fine and we had a lot of other chefs a lot of other strong chefs coming down from Sydney to but it was in out. Melbourne when it was the first time it had been out of London yeah first time the top 50 had been out of London yeah it was it was a fucking huge event there was a lot of media here obviously it's a top 50 that all the best all chefs the in the world, in the world like, and you're and you're <laughs> you know? yeah and you're and you're set and, and and outside catering i know you're a little bit more you've got a bit more experience now but back yeah. then you didn't really have much experience no, of the outside like catering no so just a, you're effectively a restaurant chef right That's, yeah yeah exactly hadn't really done, hadn't hardly done any outside catering like, first one we didn't really have yeah <laughs> we didn't really have a kitchen and well, we did but you know I'd never ever worked in it before we only saw the kitchen a few hours before we were going to be doing it we cooked it cooked all the meat on these tiny little barbecues I've got one of them barbecues at my <laughs> house yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man the, the legs his dad made yeah yeah exactly yeah like all, all I the use meat. it all the time yeah it's nice all stuff. the time without cast iron anyway yeah that's another thing yeah but, um, yeah like when big events come out like that I I, I have real trouble sleeping, I'm just thinking about them, but and it's stressful. 
You were a father of four. Yeah. And working as a as a head chef at Rockpool. How do you how do you how do you find that? How do you deal with that? You've got obviously you've got a, a wife as well, a long term partner, and you're there, you're you're working a lot of nights. You're working a lot. You know, it's a, it's a fucking brutal industry to yeah. be working doubles and whatnot, and having four kids and a wife and the rest. How do you balance all that? Um, well, I don't really. I spend, I probably I spend more time at the restaurant than I than I'd like. I'd like to spend more time at home. Yeah, for sure. But I think I'm. I think I handle it mentally better than Jasmine does. You know, she has to. She has to deal with it more than me. It's know? she's in a harder position, I think. And yeah, I'm, definitely. She's yeah, in yeah. A much harder position than me. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes, like the kids are relentless. Three, no two young boys and a, and a younger daughter, and then you've got an older one. But you know, the yeah. three younger ones. Yeah. So Coco, the older one, she's a huge help. Like, I, I think if she wasn't around, then I probably wouldn't be doing this job. I'd probably work in you know seven to three in a cafe somewhere. Yeah. Just so we could. She's, Jasmine oh, would need the support, wouldn't she? Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. But I've only got one, and fuck it, you know. Yeah. To think of three, honestly. Yeah. Sometimes you, you think it's easier because they look after themselves. Sometimes, but you know they fight as well. It's easier you, and it's harder, you know. I guess with one, like I reckon, in, if we just work it out, if you with one. Probably a third of the day, maybe a quarter, but around a third of the day, there's some sort of drama. Like he's crying and taking all his clothes off. Like, what are you taking your clothes off for? <laughs> like, he gets up, he gets frustrated and takes off all his clothes. Like, yeah. you know. So, but and don't do this or whatever it is. And then the other two thirds of the day are pretty nice. So yeah. if you've got three, that effectively means every part of the day there's some sort of drama. No, I think you still get you still get maybe ten percent of nice. You do? Nice oh, there's nice. a little Brit. Mm, oh, that's. Good. But they're, they're getting a bit older now, so they're eight, eight, six, and four. So they're at a, a pretty nice age. They play pretty well together. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they're not, what, there's no, no real tantrums anymore. Well, you know, like eight, six, and four, and you've been at Rockpool 10 years. So it's only took like, you know, eight years. And, and, and yeah, it's, I think it's, I'm definitely paying for it, you know, <laughs> mentally. But all jokes aside, it must be hard being away from your family, Zach, seriously. It's really hard, yeah. It's, a, it's the hardest thing about my job, for sure, isn't yeah. it? the time I'm not spending with my family yeah? especially when they're saying oh dad I don't want you to go to work you know not, yeah. which happens obviously like Saturday <laughs> yeah, afternoon and you've got to work a Saturday night and the, they're all sitting down to watch a movie with some popcorn and you're saying right guys I'm That's going the fucking worst thing is walking out of the house yeah. when that movie screen's just starting you know and they're all sitting in there comfortable playing the time and it's like oh, it's really really hard to leave the house yeah I don't think people who come to restaurants understand what what people yeah. go through excluding the work who've got kids it's really really sometimes they, don't, they won't even say goodbye to me either you know the but kids they're, yeah they're fine they're, they're happy just sitting there watching their movie like, like, see you later and I'll just get silence say, see you later <laughs> just slam the fucking door I just, I just walk out the door crying no I bet that, you know, you're joking but I bet you're not far from it I bet you're not it's, that's a joke but I, it's yeah, fucking hard man it's really hard and so after 10 years at Rockpool, you must have worked with some f- phenomenal chefs. Yeah, you know, unreal chefs. Yeah. Worked under some amazing chefs. Let's hear about some. Um, when I started there, um, Neil was still in the kitchen a lot. So Neil was still running services. Carl and Dennis standing next to him on cut. But it was pretty cool to work with Neil Perry running For sure. service. I mean, that was, oh man, I didn't think I'd be doing 
Yeah. It's, well, I, I got the opportunity as well when we're opening Rockpool Bar and Grill in Sydney. I got that opportunity. Man, the fucker's calm. Yeah, I know. He's a calm motherfucker. Yeah. For someone who's got. I just I think about this all the time. Like, imagine. Like, the reality is, Neil's had a few failed businesses as well. That's a reality. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he, you know, he's not shy to, to, to put his hand up for that, I'm pretty sure. And then you all of a sudden you've got this steakhouse opening in Melbourne, huge seat, you know, it's ginormous. You've got a hundred grand's worth of stock in, in steaks and all this kind of thing. And you open the doors, and what about if the thing just went ass off? Yeah, what if no one walked in? What if no one walked in? <laughs> like, and the fucker's still That's calm, stressful, still really super right? calm, still having jokes and that, where you know deep down he must be stressing like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. But somehow, Managed to say so calm, not snapping at people, yeah. making like making jokes, making you know making it fun for in fun environment. I learned that's what I learned. I know it's about you, but I learned so much about that of him was like it, make, it makes everyone around you relax, calm, yeah. Because I work with some fuckers that keep you so tight, you're scared to put dishes up. You're fucking scared because you're scared to do mise en place because if you get it wrong. You know, it's you know you're gonna get a real. So it makes it so you you call it in interval almost, yeah. where he's really calm and relaxing and joking and, and it feels like it helps you uh, flourish. I would say, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Did you I find that? And that that's more the way the whole industry is going. I think like that's there's a lot less of the, the angry yeah angry yeah chef around. You know yeah that flips out at everything and everybody. It's a lot more of a nurturing environment. It must be. Yeah, it has to be. I think. It's, yeah. And that helps the staff retention too. Definitely. Know, and that makes you, in the end, that makes your life easier. Like staff st- yeah, there's a lot of fucking, you know, there's a real shortage. There was, a, there was a lady in here the other day telling me that she's got a wine bar, she's invested a lot of money in this wine bar, and she literally can't find it, chef. Can't find one. Yeah. yeah like, we, we, that's that's where we're lucky. Having the Rockwell name, never had a problem with staff. You know, yeah, we've yeah. Always, always got people working in the law. So, what are the highlights? Of the last ten years, um, I think. Hang on, there's a few chefs I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. I want to talk about Khan as well. I worked with. I spent a lot of time working with Khan, Khan Dennis. He was he was great, and Catherine, his partner. Yeah, Khan changed my life as well. Another one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, they're they're both unbelievable chefs. The way they work, the way they the way they run the kitchen, in the way that they both deal with the staff is. I learned a lot from them. Just like. This is back when I was on Lada, so yeah, yeah. He was the one that got me back in Australia. Yeah, 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 I remember. He was the one that like, because it offered me sponsorship when I was yeah. in Sydney, but I had a few things lined up back home that I had to go and sort out. And then I went back home, and I was like, "Fuck, I need to get back to Australia." What, like, what did I do? I lost my opportunity, and I emailed Khan and said, "Look, I know you offered me this back then, but is there any chance of?" you know give me a second chance and, and sponsor me and he said you know and he said yeah and he he got it organized and that was it that's yeah that's awesome I, I owe him forever for that really yeah i'm forever in in debt for that and i think that's he's he's really loyal like that you know he really he really looks after people he's really loyal to his employer and his employees yeah and he's really he's really honest and straightforward too like it's straight down the line, right? It's probably if as you're straightforward doing... a person as you're ever going to be. Yeah, I, I love that. Which I, I perfect. It makes things easier, doesn't perfect. it? Perfect. It makes things so much. If you're upset, easier. let me know. Don't be in a yeah. little quiet mood or whatever. Just let me know. We'll move on or whatever. Anyway, who else? I, I admire that. I'm not, I'm not very good at that myself. It's that's something that I admire. Um, 
ESO, ESO took over when when Khan went back to Sydney. Um, he gave you your chance, right? Yeah, yeah. So he actually he promoted me above Sasha and Courtney, who had been there longer than me, and were both you know better chefs than me. And for some reason, he thought I, I was a better fit for the for the sous chef role. Obviously, Good call for him, really. Like he's, he'll put a few noses out with joints, you know. Like yeah, yeah, and it definitely did. No, I, I struggled with that. Did like, you feel I, a bit guilty? Yeah, absolutely. A bit more pre- that pressure as well. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot more pressure on me to, to make sure I got it right. And, um, yeah, I felt bad for those guys because you know they, they were both much better chefs than me. You know, far better chefs than me. Yeah, and they've been doing it for longer than me. So yeah. I, that's kind of one of the reasons I decided to make like I had I had to make it work, you know. I couldn't. Yeah, but I think also for as the head chef making that decision, you've got to have someone you can work with to team. Yeah, you exactly. feel like I you can't work if the you know they might be the greatest chefs in the world, but if they're not prepared to to listen and you know and work with you, sometimes they might work against you and bad mouth you or whatever it might. Yeah. You know, you need to be a solid unit as well. I think he knew I was always going. to just do what I was told, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. I Easy to manage. Yeah. Easy to manage. Yeah, and that, and that was going to make his life easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, and after that, I got to work with Will. Will Caramon came down from Sydney. He was working at Rockwell eighty nine. I think he was a sous chef there, and he came down and took over as head chef for a, a year and a half. I think he was there, maybe two years. Uh, and he was awesome too. He was awesome. I think it hard fucking hard job for him to walk into like a really hard job like I was super loyal to ESO and it like so was the team and he has to he has to walk in and start telling us what to do you know really really hard and you know I don't think I I thought I was making it as as easy as I could for him but I probably wasn't giving it 100% you know no it's hard I was a bit bitter yeah I was a bit upset at the company Um, but yeah, Will was awesome. You learned a lot from him. I learned heaps from him. He was really, really good. Yeah, he was really good. I, I thought he was. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably a bit too big a team for him in the end. Like a bit too. Well, it was different. He's come from a really refined. He'd worked at Martin Wishards, two star Michelin. He'd yeah. worked at Rockpool, original George Street, three. I think I don't know if they'd won the three hat. They definitely were two hats, but more of a of a refined two hat a bit yeah, more exactly. serve, you know a bit more you know a refined two hat that's what I mean like the restaurant was too big he couldn't do the food he wanted to do yeah exactly yeah yeah he was you know it was just a different style wasn't it yeah but he was great he, he, I learned heaps of him as well he was yeah Will was awesome yeah I, I thought I thought I was ready when when he so left you know I thought I was ready to step up as as head chef then but, but you're glad there was that buffer eh, were you uh, yeah I wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't have been able to do it without what I learned from Will. Going through that, through, the, through them two years with Will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess as well because he wasn't, he'd come and he didn't have the same experience in that environment. So you probably, see, you, you watched him learn that job as well quite closely. So then when he, you did get your opportunity, you'd seen maybe the mistakes he'd made or hadn't yeah. made, you know, you know, so you kind of learned the, the job together. The best thing Will did was like he didn't, he wasn't afraid to change something. Yeah. Just yeah. because that's the way we've done it. And yeah. that, that probably that's the main thing I learned of him. He said, well, "Why don't we just do it this way?" I'm like, "Oh, I suppose we could. That's you know, yeah, that's better." I'd never even thought about. I'd never even thought to think about shit like that. You know? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We just keep doing this way. That's the way we do it. That's the way they want it. Just keep going. 
but he wasn't afraid to just say, no, don't do that, don't put that in, let's put this on here, let's do this from here, why don't we do this from this section? Wasn't afraid to change things. If it doesn't work, change it back. Put it back, yeah. But most of the time it would work. Like, Some of the dishes were beautiful as well he put on, yeah. yeah. Really good cook. Yeah. Again, as well, he was really... I'd been there for ages, and um, and I was... You know, you know, I was like quite a strong member of the team, and I asked to go into pastry, and no one else would put me in pastry. I've been, I've been asking to go in pastry for fucking fifteen years, yeah. honestly. And I'd done it once with another restaurant in in Manchester Heathcote. So I'd done it for a short period of time there, and they took me out. I must have been shit. I don't know. And but they're like, get him out of there, get him in here. The donkey, get the donkey over here. But I'd, I'd asked so many times at different restaurants, and I'm like, oh yeah, 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 just get on the grill or get on the meat, you know, whatever it might be. And I asked Will, and he said, "Yeah, he put me in there. I think I did a year. I yeah, think I, about a year. And I'm like, yeah, fucking. I did, I did it for a few months when I beautiful. Well. So that good. that was, you know, that was awesome. After 15 years of asking, and and you know, I could do every section in Rockpool. So for him to then take that person out who could plug holes, and honestly, when I went in there, he never once." said on a Tuesday night when someone phoned in sick I need you to go on the grill or he never said it he just you know he would just deal with that he would yeah. never I was in it was really good that was I, I, you know I thank him heavily yeah. for that you know, that was a real opportunity yeah and and another person was Ben Pollard he was a sous chef at Spice at Rockwell while he's on Karma there so he was and above you at that, you, you were at Chef to Party something. yeah I was at Chef to Party and he so he was running a lot of services I learned a lot of a lot from him as well. Try to emulate his style in the kitchen. He was super calm, always. Very Neil-like, isn't he? Yeah, I think all all of Neil's head chefs are, are like that these days. Yeah. All very, all very calm. There's definitely a certain type of chef that he looks for to run his run his restaurant. Well, it's you know we've said it with Beck and, and whatnot. You know, you're trying to build a culture as well. You know. Yeah. So there's no, you know, you've got it. You have what you believe in, the culture that you believe in, and he, you want, you want people to represent your culture. So yeah. he employs people that he feels like can do that. You know, yeah, that's right. Which is awesome. Right, just to finish off, we all, I have a few quick fire things. Go to drink alcoholic. I know you've kind of knocked it on the head recently, but probably beer. Just a beer. Yeah. What I, beer? I love a beer. Something, something refreshing. The Man Mountain. He's an absolute beast, that bloke. Yeah, Rockpool. I got to meet him. Phenomenal. I love that bloke. Um and then favourite cookbook Al Brown's book I reckon who is it Al Brown it's got a book called it's called Stoked oh yes sorry yeah 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 yeah. that's I didn't my go to I love his food I love his super tasty simple over fire yeah most of his stuff's cooked over fire but it's just the full flavour full flavour nature of his food messy food you know? yeah tasty looks yeah. 
get it well that's it thanks very much for your time Zach I most appreciate Pleasure. it thank you you were awesome so yeah till then you are awesome I'm a fuck <laughs> If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please share, like, review on the usual platforms to help spread the word. Until next time, this is Cooking the Books.